clearly this is a different episode. You're clearly like, what's going on? Where am I? We're going to get into that today, but this is a special episode. And well, without further ado, let's go. Welcome to Fuel Passion Podcast. This is a new episode. My name is Freddie Romero, live from Long Beach, California at Revive Studios. I'm here with the person who's not a stranger to you, Noan El Boricua Cruz. Please hit like and subscribe if you haven't already. That way you don't miss any episodes of Your Pasión. This is the place you want to be every single Friday because my man drop some good gems and so you need that if you want to level up this is the podcast you'd be listening to but today's extra special because yeah. we're flipping it around a little bit yes i'll be hosting yes and you'll be the guest on your own show yes this is really cool all right <laughs> how does it how does it feel to be a guest on your own show real quick um i don't i don't know that i've never been a guest on my own show in any capacity. So I'm looking forward to this conversation and I really wanted someone that I really admire and respect for the work that you guys are doing, Radical Middle for UIWI and just all the work at Revive. I mean, yo, you guys got to like and subscribe what they got going on at Radical Middle. So latest episode, super dope. I, I'm, I, I'm in, I'm in. So it's literally radically in the middle. So from a faith-based context. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited. And you know, Noan, you've been someone that has had different platforms and you've been really gracious in having other people be on those platforms. So it's it's just funny how you say you've never been a, a guest on your own stuff. Yeah. You know, but this is very special because we are acknowledging and recognizing 20 years of ministry, leadership. You being a pastor, a youth pastor, my goodness, two decades. You know, Damn. it's hard alone. It's hard alone for people to uh, last two minutes in something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> nowadays. Nowadays, yeah. Nowadays, it's, it's it's man, twenty years in the game. Noan, how does that feel? It's humbling. And it feels, it feels, to be honest, it's just, it's, it's an honor. That's what it feels like. It's an honor that I can serve in the community, serving through a local church and also serving in other capacities of like helping various like, you know, faith-based uh, ministries of what they want to go after. And for me to be a small piece of it, I mean, it, it's just been an honor and, um, it's something that I had a chance to talk to a friend of mine. It's been really character building over these past couple decades. And uh, no one's perfect. I don't have the secret formula. But it, it, it truly is an honor. And, and it is sometimes a little tiring. I'm not going to lie. So oh, that, yeah. I want to get into a little bit of those details. But let's rewind the tape because I like, okay. think a lot of us who do watch Fiel Pasión and have followed you or maybe don't or those that don't really know you personally. Because to be frank... I've known you for almost over a decade almost. And yeah. um, I don't think I know the genesis, the origin story yeah. of uh, Noan Cruz, the leader, the youth pastor. So take me 20 years back. Take me real quick to that moment. Where were you? What season were you in? Were you married? What was going on uh, in your life? And then take me to the point where you felt called to leadership. No, that, that's a really valid question. So for me... 
20 years ago, I was in a season where my wife and I, we were already a few years into marriage. Uh, we had our firstborn son. So, you know, we have two boys mm -hmm. for those that know, I always talk about both of them. And at the time we just had junior. So junior was young. I mean, he was, I mean, almost like a toddler about to go into kindergarten. So right before kindergarten, I want to give a shout out to pastor Louise Mangandi. He was invited to a church where it's now where I've been at. Mm. And it was at this church where they asked him, hey, we are looking for someone who could be a part-time youth leader, youth pastor, whatever term you want to put to it. And he was like, so they wanted originally him. And this is Jimmy Orellana, who's now the lead uh, junior high pastor at Calvary Chapel South Bay. So at the time, oh. he's, a, he's a student at, at the church Oreb, and he's like, we need a youth leader, a youth pastor. And Luis Mangandi was like, I think I know someone. Let me pray about it. I'm literally finishing seminary school uh, through Azusa, and I'm at an In-N-Out, true story. I'm at an In-N-Out in El Monte. So if you guys know about the In-N-Out in El Monte, and I'm there, and I'm heading back home. And I get a phone call from Louisa Mangandi. Back then, you had the Bluetooth things right here on the side. So I had a little Bluetooth thing here on the side. And I'm answering the call. And he's like, hey, how are you doing? Where are you at in your season, in your life? And I'm just like, look, I'm at Radio Nueva Vida at the time. Mm -hmm. I just started out there. Uh, I just came out of a season where there was a... And I, I've shared this where like, I came out of a testimonial thing. God had kind of put me back in my place and God really got me to understand some things. And I was like, okay, like I'm in this unique spot right now, God, where do you want me next? And that's where the phone call happened. I get invited to speak at the church. I accept invitation. Not so I accept invitation to just speak. I'm trying to see like, Oh, let me check it out. I literally get handed an application Right afterwards, like a millennial, fold, oh, we want you to apply. And I was like, oh, um, like, okay. That was quick. That yeah, escalated no, no, quickly. It, it, no, it was quick. And I, I, I don't know if Mangani's, I don't know what that conversation was that he had with them and that they had an <laughs> assumption of what I was coming for. So I'm there. It was after that that I said, you guys are going to have to give me about a month. So in that month, I'm talking to my wife about this. I'm talking to my uh, to my pastor. And at the time, my pastor was like, you know, I mean, the one thing I know that Pastor Covarrubio did say, and he said the following, if you think this is going to benefit your wife and your son, then I think you should go. But you need to pray about it as well. So I did. I mean, again, I was in a season of like, what's next? And I didn't expect to um, get the call. And then I remember when I first got hired on, it was during vacation Bible school week. So I'm at VBS, don't know anybody. And I just remember these students looking at me like, who is this dude? Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like where I was at and how it landed. So, you know, they say uh, one of my mentors, a friend of mine, uh, Ernest, always says, you know, it's always right time, right place, right moment. Mm. And I really believe that that was a God ordained moment. So, you know, you always want to stay ready in that season because you never know. So whatever fundamental, fundamental principles that you have going on in life, make sure they're solid. Yeah. So that when an opportunity arises, if you feel that's something that you can be a part of, then you're ready to step into it. And I was willing to literally take a step of faith, leave my mother church 
where I grew up, where I accepted Christ, mm. all this stuff. Like I left that to be able to go to a new church, different denomination. So I go from a Pentecostal to a Baptist and that dynamic was yeah, very different. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that was kind of like the rewind, how I landed there. You know, man, as, as you're, li as I'm listening to this, there's a lot of, um, that I forget, I, I forget who, who initially coined the quote, success leaves clues, but a lot of authors have used that and you're, I've seen your humility play out a lot that you could easily name drop a lot of people that I've, that you've either led or worked with. And, um, and yeah, there are a lot of people who were, there are a lot of people who did, who were in your youth group that you were leading that are now crushing it and doing great things. Great, great things. You've always been, whether it's, uh, you know, with your work with, uh, an amazing corporation, um, so, you know, whether in the church, out the church, in education, wherever you've been, you've always been a very good uh, fisherman of talent, you know, of potential. What is that? Because Luisma and Gandhi must have seen something in you. So I want to know what, what do you think he saw in you? And what do you think has made you become a person that over 20 years, there's people who like, I just look at their marriages. Like I knew them when they were kids. And I look at their marriages now and they're solid. There's other, there's other guys that are leading ministries, like, you know, at mega churches and stuff like that. Other guys that are just crushing it, you know, in sports, in combat sports and in different sports. Other people like have like, they're on their masters now, you know, and just successful what they do. What, like, I, I want to know, like, is that because I feel like a lot of youth leaders and pastors and leaders could look at the kids that they have or the youth that they have and be very dismissive. Whereas you can go to a college campus and find the diamonds in the rough. Like what, like how do, how do you do that? I think one, the reason I'll answer the how, I think the reason is the why that I do that is because there were men and women that were willing to invest their time in me. They were willing to really understand, do I have what it takes? Or they saw my curiosity. And I think that was the reason why I do like if I see curiosity in someone and someone that has intentionality to really reach out to me, then I'm going to give you the time and day. I always have that quote. I put the ball in your court, right? We can be on the same court. I can be taking the shots. But if you walk on the court and you're curious enough and you want more, I'm a bounce you know, the ball over to you. But again, you want more, the ball's in your court. I need you to dribble. I need you to pass. I need you to take a shot. Mm. I've taken my shots. I've made some and I've missed plenty of them, but at least I've done my part. So if you're seeking out to level up in your, in your leadership faith, you know, or if you're trying to level up in just your personal, you know, corporation context, you need to learn how to take shots and be willing. So that, that was kind of like the why now, how I think I, I know how to recognize it. I think it's because of the fact that it's like, you know, um, what was the saying there? It's a super simple old school saying like monkey see monkey do. Mm -hmm. And as I saw leaders in my life, I saw it and I wanted to do it. And, and how I go about it is I am very intentional of wanting to live life with you. I'm not just here to 
to get another like check off the box or be performative based. I'm not about that. I care less about the quantity. I, I care about the quality of relationships. Mm. I, I care about the quality of intentionality of, of really seeing it. So how I go about that is that exactly like I just want to spend life with the people that are in my life in that season and go all in. So how do I go about it? I go all in. Yeah. How do I go about it? I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push you. I have a lot of people that say, yo, like there's that famous word nowadays, right? Like, man, you just trigger me or there's a trigger. Like, like great, because you may not have that in your life. So I will go and I will intentionally push some buttons that I know is going to make you uncomfortable. Why? Because that's going to make you grow at the long term, you know, like longevity wise, oh, absolutely. you know, you'll be able to see that. And that's kind of how I go about it. I, I'm intentional about living life with people. I'm intentional about seeking out and I'm going to ask hard questions. One of the things I used to do with the youth group and I haven't done it yet in my current, um, I call it like my current generation of youth right now is I would have like twice a year, I would sit down. So think about from a corporate context, you have kind of like a mid-year review and your year-end review. And sometimes if you're really more uh, intentional, you'll have like quarterly reviews. And if you're really dialed in and you're really trying to grow and just always monitor your progress, you may have monthly touch bases, mm. right? Or, or bi-weekly. But let's keep it simple. Half year and a yearly. For me, I would go half year mark. I would sit down with every single student on a pew bench at the church and I would sit down and be like, okay, how's school going? It's going this way. How's family going? It's going this way. Okay. What are you looking to do? A, B, and C. And then what can I do to be able to help you? Those are literally my questions that I would have. And some would say, oh, and if, I mean, students are students, right? Like some would be like, oh, I don't know. Or, oh, maybe, you know, but then there'd be other students like, actually my mom needs help. Right. So then that's where and another part of the how is how do I really tap into be a fisher of talent is I understand the, the importance of community and partnerships. So if some student needs help that I don't have the resource, I'm going to seek out the partnership to be able to learn uh, and, or connect and send them off or learn and then come back and then have the conversation follow up and say, hey, look, here's what I got for you. I don't know all the details, but if you need me to walk with you, we'll walk together. So those, those have been some of my hows uh, that I go about it. And I, I mean, I just think to your point, and I'm grateful, like, I've only asked to be maybe 1% in someone's life. I've never asked for people to say, oh, yeah, Noan has been a part of my life. Noan helped me to get where I'm at. It's not about me, man. At the end of the day, it's about God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My hope, though, is that at least I was a part of it for like one person. I'll show you a quick story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our oldest son got to go to the University of Oregon, go Ducks, and he transferred because there was a, you know, his program got cut, so he needed to make a decision. And he ends up going to Portland State University, and he graduates from there. Um, amazing. We're super proud of him. And fast forward then you know like people were like oh congrats you know i always tell the story we had him we were 20 years old you know 2021 20, that whole season was just we were so young mm -hmm. and, and then my son where he's at now he lands a job as an engineer for daimler mercedes mm. and he's like he's an engineer an autonomous integration engineer for those that don't know what that is because when he told me i was like oh wow that sounds intense it's basically he's an ai engineer 
Yeah. Right. So he's working on stuff that's currently now being used in a lot of vehicles. Right. And I remember that Maori and Lily, two students of mine. Yeah, I remember them. Right. And Maori, you know, thankful for his service in the military. Yeah. Um, they come back and Lily always giving back to the community, working with kids. And they're like, yo, we want to take you guys out to dinner. I have the, the the assumption that, oh, when our son comes in and he's like, no. And I remember him and Lily saying, the reason why we wanted to take you out to dinner is because we want to congratulate mom and dad for the work that you've done. And I'm sitting there like, man, I never had anybody like, you know, like Bro. my wife, my wife and I were just like, wow, that's like, we were taken aback by that. Like to, to be able to say like, you know, and, and Maori was just like, no, this is because of your guys' work. To be honest, it's my wife. I mean, my wife was a, the stay at home mom. She wanted to invest in our boys. She wanted to be there for them because she saw that her mom had to work hard and work double jobs. So she said, when I'm married, if we can afford it, I want to be able to stay home. So after 10 years of her working, we said, okay, pivot. We're going to trust in God. Now I'm going to work a couple extra jobs because I want to be able to give you the ministry that God wants to give you. Mm. And that's to be an amazing woman, an amazing mom, caretaker. Like she's a secret sauce to my boys' success. That's so good. That's so good. I wonder, I wonder if there's a correlation in the longevity of your ministry with the fact that you had an amazing life partner in your wife. Oh yeah. Because could you imagine ministry, youth ministry, if that is stressful enough, you know, as it is, yeah. and then you got to come home. And if that situation isn't, isn't right, then, then, then that added stress could, could break someone. And when you look at the people that don't have long, you know, don't, don't last long. I was talking to pastor Josh, pastor here at Revive Church, lead pastor at Revive Church. He's saying, you know, so a lot of people like, um, when they burn out, you know, the first thing that they X off the list is like the ministry that they yeah. do. But the reality is that they don't ever evaluate the the rhythm of their lives. And there are other things that have caused them to burn out, but this is the easiest thing to walk away from. Can you just like for those that are that are just just got married or aren't married yet? Because, you know, like I, there's other there's other, you know, great authors that tell you like, hey, who you marry is probably one of the top three decisions that you're ever going to make in your life. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that that's, a, that's an important thing that doesn't get talked either in the corporate world or in ministry um, and, and how that feeds into longevity for ministry. Yeah, it's it's a funny story when my wife and I, we were dating and this is look for all the fellas and the ladies out there. Be intentional with what you want. Hmm. And I remember I wrote a letter when I was dating my wife. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. And I literally stated in this letter like. I don't know where my life is going to lead me. We're going to have a lot of ups and downs. And I'm paraphrasing. It's funny because I asked my wife, did you ever keep that letter? Because I think that 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 letter, I and I remember we went to Malibu Castle uh, Golf Course. I'm, I'm dating myself because it's no longer there. It's right by the Costco in Londo. But there used to be a golf course in the city of Londo, California. If you guys know where I'm talking about, you, you know the spot. And that they had miniature golf in there. And I remember we that was our date, but my letter was there. I want you to be my life partner. Like, we're going to get married one day. But I want to know if you're willing to ride or die with me because I don't know where I'm going to end up. Hmm. But I know I'm going to go somewhere. But I just want to make sure that with your permission and also me supporting whatever you want to do. Like, And it's funny because she like went to the restroom. She came back. And, and, and honey, correct me, but I remember her just saying yes. 
And I'm like, oh, well, and she's like, yeah. And then I'm like, because I told her, don't read the letter until you get home. Oh, sure, the <laughs> she read the letter in the restroom <laughs> and then she was just like, you know, like, yeah. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, you know, so you can say yes. Right. But when you're in the thick of it. Oh, 100. So here's the thing. For those that are n- newly married, you need to make sure that you're always communicating, but also establishing something that we both know about is healthy boundaries. And that was something that I didn't have said. I kid you not, I've shared this a couple of times. In our second year in marriage, my wife said, it's either us or the church. Straight up. Because I had way too much going on outside of my career. I was mm. just trying to do everything at the church. Yeah, yeah. And, and my old church. And my wife was like, if you don't pick me, then this is done. And I, I freaked out. I was like, what? Because I was so blinded. By ministry work and what leaders tell you that you need to be busy and you need to put in the work. No, the real work is home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and that was one. The, the The other side to that was a couple years later, again, I took on t- too much and my wife was just like, look, you need to make a choice. And I think the other key thing is you want to always talk it out. So like as you're progressing in your career, as you're progressing, you know, in whatever you are doing in a faith based context and ministry, you need to always talk it out. One of the things that my wife told me was, I don't I don't want to be in the front. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be teaching like that's not my calling. Really, her calling is just one to one. My my wife is a woman of few words, but when she speaks, she mm. speaks wisdom. Yeah. And so it's like we're clearly opposites attract because I'm the mm-hmm. guy that's willing to be in the mic. My wife is like, I'll be behind the camera. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was the secret of that. Like, I think for her, she's always kind of giving me the checks and balances. And I'm just grateful because she also understands to communicate back to me. And I think there was even moments where like, you know, you know, in our marriage, like not, nothing bad, but like we're financial. We were like, there was a fraudulent thing that happened mm-hmm. to us that wrecked us hard. And I remember, you know, my wife crying all the time and we were praying all the time and holding hands. And I just remember that season. And and it was something that I've never navigated before. We're like, we never had someone take out all this, you know, loans in our names unknowingly. Right. Mm -hmm. That we ended up going one day here in Long Beach, the federal building in Long Beach, like all these families or people that were impacted by this fraudulent thing. Like it was two years, to be honest, two years of hell. That my wife and I went through. Yeah. But we were willing to understand the vow that you make through better or worse. worse I am going to love you. And I think we forget about that as newlyweds. We're so caught up in the moment, right? You're seeing your woman. You're like, yeah. You know, right? You're like deadlock, right? In the moment. And you forget what you're repeating from the priest or the pastor telling you like for better. For, and you're like for better, for worse. You're looking at it straight now. Yeah. But not realizing like when the rubber meets the road, that's where you get tested and see how much you love each other. Oh, Absolutely. So, so for me, I think that's something that I, I would recommend is communication, I think, is the biggest thing and creating those boundaries. And I think the other one is set, setting. And this is something that Larry Acosta, that we both know, he always used to say, like, set time apart, like set some time up, you know, especially once you have kids, get away or just at least go out for a dinner or for breakfast. And I'm grateful that there's times that I get busy and my wife reminds me. Today, today, my wife will still tell me, yo, let's go out. And I'm like, you're right. 
not let me think about it let me no babe okay what do you want to go out yeah she's and then i'm gonna move heaven and hell because that is the woman in my corner that is constantly loving me supporting me and vice versa yeah so i'll do whatever it takes to be able to meet with her i will i will echo that you know i am so grateful for some of the heart failures that i had in life because even though sometimes like I, i live in regret but those setbacks actually exposed something that i actually think I need it and yeah. that's just know that my wife will be with me no matter what yeah and um and so I think that's just a key thing that we you know as you're sharing with those that are watching Fil Pasión is is understanding that a life partner the right life partner yeah. is either gonna make you or break you no 100% because just like we expect good times you gotta expect the bad times as well Noan let me ask you man during those two years when you guys okay as a family unit you were guys going through this stuff. Why didn't you so say you made a vow to marriage and okay, I'm going to stay connected, but you also made a commitment to leadership. You also made a commitment to your church. You also made a commitment to youth, to that youth group. Why didn't you like step down from youth pastors? Since you had a lot of things going on in that season. Cause I, I really just want to just drop some nuggets of like uh, longevity, you know, like this yeah. is what we're honoring here. This is what we're, we're acknowledging here that this isn't something you see every day. And so but I think that people don't talk about these these things a lot. And so I love that you're just an open book. So in that season, okay, you, you know you made a commitment to your marriage. You made a vow to your marriage. Like, hey, we're not going to walk away. We're going to stay together. But you also made a commitment to the church. Why don't you walk away then? So I'm glad you did a follow-up because I was going to say, and so I didn't walk away. But to give you context, I was playing the drums. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was the youth leader. I was doing the dramas, right? Pentecostal church. We love all that kind of stuff, right? I was doing all these things. I go to the music director. I'm not going to play drums. I'm only going to play if you need me once a month on a Sunday, if you need me. I was like, I told the drama, uh, hermana, the sister, I was like, hey, I can't do any more uh, assistant directing for you. I have to step away. And I I walked, I said, hey, the only thing I kept was me being a youth leader. Which was the thing that you committed to from yeah. the get-go, right? But because I felt that all that was like, you know, like, I feel like, oh, you do a little music, kids love that. You do a little bit of this, the kids love that, right? So I thought like, oh, man, I got to be involved in everything, right? And again, this is like me not knowing until years later, right? Again, trials and tribulations, like trial and error for me. And it wasn't until, but, so here's the thing, though, like, I would say, hey, I'm investing in my family. But what about God? And at the time, I'd be like, well, I think this is what God wants me to do. Like, don't you guys always say family, your reflection of what you do in life is a reflection of what you do first with your family. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would get these, like, random pushbacks from people. And I'm here being super honest with them, saying, like, yeah, but I'm still involved. I don't understand. Yeah, but you need to do more for God. I'm like, yeah, but I that more needs to be for my family. Like, in my mind, that's what I was thinking. So, at the time, I would just be like, look, I, I'm sorry that you're upset. But I need to step away. I, Until I learned about those boundaries down the road, I made the boundary, even though I didn't know what that was, right? I just put a stake in the road. I was like, yo, I don't give two you-know-what <laughs> if you don't want me to be. If you yeah. don't, like, like, if I'm not with my wife next year, it is the fault of my church. Right. That's a bold statement to make. Okay. But, but I'm keeping it real. The church needs to understand if we're trying to reach couples and, and and relationships and and invest in healthy families you got to be willing to be like 
yo, is everything, like, it wasn't one of those, like, is everything okay? It was more like, well, why not? And I'm like, hmm. Right. And again, it could be a lack of maturity for them. Right. I'll give them the bed and for the doubt. Some of those leaders. Sure. Um, but again, my pastor, he that's why I go to that whole point. Like when I eventually leave my ultra, the pastor was the one that was like, what about your family? What about your wife? So, again, like he understood the bigger picture. But I also told him, I said, hey, pastor, I need to cut this stuff out. And he was the guy who would be like, well, yeah, you do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you do need to cut that out. Yeah. So I think for me, that's one of the biggest things that, uh, you know, to answer your question. Yeah, I did step down of a lot of different things I was doing. And fast forward, when I'm at Oreb, I'm playing in a band and we're getting really popular. And now there's a lot of time. And my wife had a similar conversation with me. Right. And I did dial back and I was very honest with my team, you know, on the band. And I remember my wife was like, I didn't tell you to quit the band. I just told you don't have many practices. <laughs> and I was like, what, really? And I go running back to the guy. God, that kid's still being in the band. Right? Communication. Sure. Right? Sure. But I, I did cut out some stuff. So I would say, yes, cut out some things in order to invest. Because you will see. Look, here's, here, here's something that I always tell couples. When I have the opportunity to give premarital counseling to potential couples that are going to get married... One of the biggest things I tell them that in your first two years of marriage, do not be in charge of anything at the church. Just invest in each other. Point blank. Mm -hmm. Same would go in a corporate context. Do not do not go crazy at a career for the first two years. Be strategic, right? Game of chess. I'm not saying put everything aside, but be strategic, but be fully invested in the partner that you marry. Yeah. Be fully vested for those two years. Yeah. Find your algorithm. Find the right things. See the checks and balances. And then communication. Then have that conversation. Babe, honey, these two years, I'm getting spoken about a, a potential move. Babe, what do you think? That's where you know because the partner will see how invested you are. So that's the sacrificial side of sure. it, right, in the relationships. So. Sure. And it's, what, and it's what matters. And this is what we're going for. You know, if you're a, if you're a leader of any kind, yeah. I mean, not just a youth pastor, but if you're a leader of any kind, it is important to know. I think that in the um, in the um, in the spirit of wanting to be helpful, you could probably be taking on too much. And the thing that you were actually hired for could be um, deteriorating. And so then you end up quitting altogether. And all you have to do is just unload some of these extracurricular things. Yeah. That um, you just took on for the sake of being helpful, but you do need to take care of yourself first. You know, we talk about 20 years and on. I mean, this is so special. But I think a trait that I've seen in you that I, that I haven't seen in other people. And the reason I think I get to talk on these things is because I grew up in the church and I just I love studying leadership. One of the things that I've noticed about you is that you stay on game. And by that, I mean, like. Like, like Urban Youth Workers Institute, you invested in yourself, being a part of this cohort, being a part of almost everything that they had to offer. Because you could have said, you know what, I'm a youth pastor, I'm good, I already have the position, why go learn? You know, I know that you, with Nike you've taken, you've gone on the retreats and you've gone to the seminars and anything that they have available that they've invited you to, whether they are going to pour into you or they want your voice, you've said yes to. 
You've surrounded yourself with, 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 with healthy people, other leaders that are maybe even ahead of you. And you've also surrounded yourself with other voices that are very different than you. And I've seen you ask questions. I've seen you like take out your notebook as you're asking other people questions and modeling being a student of life, a student of leadership, a student of, 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 of shepherding. Why? Like, why are you still driven to learn? I would think like after 20 years and working with some of the best of the best in the corporate world and, and, and having some of the best opportunities in ministry, you'd be like, OK, I'm good. I'm on game. Why are you still learning? Because that's what God calls us to do. That we're constantly building community, communities constantly evolving. So as it evolves, we shouldn't be stagnant. We, we need to stay evolving. And, and granted, like, I just think, look, I always tell people I'm like that last of the Mohicans. Like, I just thoroughly love to, to like, at, at my job, we, we have, like, these maxims, like, these things that we believe in. And one of them is be a sponge. And I literally took that. If I am going to be in a space where I do not know of it, why would I speak on it? I tell my boys all the time, don't talk just to talk. Mm. Be a sponge. You don't have to be a know-it-all. Scale it back. Listen. That's more important than speaking. Listen to what's being said. Then think about how, how is that impactful for you? How can you apply? Does it, does it pertain to you? And if it doesn't, Great. If it does, then what's the follow up to that? And I think that's been me. The The reason why I'm constantly on game is because I'm constantly seeking out the knowledge. It, now more than ever with Internet and everything, like knowledge is super fast. Right. I almost feel like sometimes I'm behind. But I think I'm also intentional. And, and I think I stay on game. And the reason I know how to stay on game is because, look. I didn't grow up in a great neighborhood and the neighborhood would always change. You have to stay on top of it. Like when gangs were around or if there was a tagging crew, I'm dating myself. Right. And then now gentrification, like things that are getting stripped away of the community. Like I'm always like, well, no, no, no. There's history and heritage. And I think that's what I'm grateful about my job. My job has taught me to be able to honor the past. Right. Be present in the now. But how do we innovate the future? And I think that's been the biggest unlock for me. Like I'm always thinking I'm, I always tell my team. I'm up here when I'm in vision casting and whatever is here at this level that we're currently executing. I've already I've already prayed about it. I already planned it out. I've already done all the work and I'm up here. I'm on the next thing. So like we can be right here in this in this like current interview. I'm already like a month out of like how am I chopping this? What like I've right? Like mm, yeah, I, I plan yeah, it out. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and for me, that's been the unlock. I have to tell them, bring me down. Cause I like, no, on, I need you here. And I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. It's cause again, I'm trying to stay out of the game. I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to be intentional. Like the mentors in my life have always told me be a student of the game. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. Look at Kobe Bryant. He only evolved his game over the years, right? When he went from number eight to number 24, we know that's when the black mamba, like, right? Like we know the game where he, we, everyone arguably says this is when the black mamba came out. Right. And then hence the mamba mentality and hence, Right. Same thing with Michael Jordan. We see all these different things. And I look at even like Serena Williams, like when I saw Serena Williams mm. win one of her slams and she was pregnant. 
That was that was next game. That was not next level to next me. Next like, level. Like, bro, I'm like, I need to learn from her. How 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 does she stay true to her profession, her passion, but also be an amazing soon-to-be mom, right? Like, and, and, and be an amazing wife. Like, I need to learn from her. I need to learn from some of these great innovative thinkers. Like, I want to know how they get into that, you know? And I think... I don't know. I think maybe that's why I get in trouble a lot too, because I ask too many questions. <laughs> but I think that's what's key in order to be able to be a good leader. Listen, I'm 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 taking notes, and I can't write as fast as you talk, <laughs> and that's the Puerto Rican in you. Bro. Yeah, very true. We play, <laughs> you play that back. We can play it back. And, so and I'm gonna have to play it. this yeah. in slow mo. But yeah, like you know, Noana is one of the guys that like over the last ten years, um, um, like. He'll send me a podcast. He'll send me an episode. He'll say, "Hey, you know, I'll post a book," and he'll like send me a DM. He's like, "Hey, I read that book too with my with my team," and bro, like, and it's like it's so cool to see like, yo, this guy is on game. Like, I think like I've discovered something new, and it's like Noah's already read it. You know, he's already like listened to it. He's already watched it, and so I think like if you're taking notes. And you're in this for the long haul. Like, this is part of it. Part of it is being a student of your craft. Yeah. Now, um, as I want to land a plane, I think another thing for longevity is something that you just gave up. Um, it just it was going to be my last question, but I don't make it this question. The fact that, you know, you've always I from I met you, I think I was 20 years old, I think. Maybe twenty one. Yeah, I think you were just out of high school. Maybe twenty. Yeah. Yeah. Probably like, twenty. Yeah. Twenty nineteen, something like that. And so no, twenty nineteen. No, no, no not two, twenty. Two, twenty two, or nineteen. Two, I think. Yeah. No, no. Um, how? JC and you, like, what's your guys' age difference, if there is? No, there is a huge age difference okay. between me and my boy. Um, he is uh six years younger than me. Yeah. So. Let's say if he was a sophomore, if he was 15, 16. Yeah, he was a, I think he was a sophomore. Yeah. So then you were, yeah, you were uh, like. I was 20, 21. 21, 21. Yeah. And. Um, age, not year, age. Yeah, age. Yeah. And I remember, man, how everyone in your youth group, like it was different. It was like, I, I just serve at different churches. I just come back from Georgia and um, it was different, different environment to be in and one of the things is i saw you you would do these like massive productions where but you wouldn't do it alone mm-hmm. but then also your team weren't a bunch of experts they were a bunch of kids they were a bunch of youth it was, it was us and you would like you would like raise the money you would fundraise you would you would figure out how to raise the money to put on this summer concert i was amazing and so many people would come and the, pro- and the gospel would be preached. But I remember when I like now that I take a step back and I look at I'm like, dude, he put all that in the hands of like kids, essentially. Like, why would you do that? Because <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. You know, like I'm 37 now. Sometimes I don't even want to give responsibility to people who are older than me because I don't <laughs> think that they'll come through. And yeah. yeah, you were given responsibility, mad responsibility. I interviewed someone. His name is Grant Skeldon. He works for Q Ideas. And he has always told pastors, give young people the responsibility that if they were to fail, it would actually hurt your organization. Mm. Because when they succeed... It would actually bless your organization for the long haul. 
what was your framework in allowing young people to be a part of the team, part of the committee to plan, the committee to execute, the committee to organize, the committee to be responsible? Why did you do that? The reason why I did it was because I saw events at the time that were being done in other cities except our communities. And I felt that we can bring a scaled down version, which I know it was still a big scale version, right? But I, I'd say I'm going to bring a scaled down version and I'm going to bring it to our community because our community deserves, if not even better than what these big productions that are charging people to go to, which I have no issue with that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I understand you gotta, you gotta yeah, make, but I, but I believe that if we're gonna do this for the community, by the community, it needs to be free. And the faith that I have in God, God will provide all this, all the things that are needed. Now, fast forward to current day today, I have a mentor that told me, Noan, you truly understand what it means to be able to retain the people. You need to empower your people, but you need to enable your people. And that's literally a three palm. In order to retain, you need to be able to empower. But in order to empower, you need to be able to enable others. That was the sauce of what we did. That was me saying, yo, someone believed in me one day to be a part of a band and drummer at a church. Mm. Someone believed one day in me to be able to go out into the streets. I had my, I'm grateful to say now, back then my co-pastor, who's now my father-in-law, my wife's dad, he was the one that would be like, you know, we would go to like a prayer service for those that know you would have those, uh, ayunos, right. The, the, the fasting prayers. And then in the middle of it, they'd be like, all right, guys, get up there, preach about anything. And I remember he would just empower me and he would say, okay, let's see. You said this, look at this other thing. And I was there like literally in the moment, instead of being upset, instead of saying, well, you get up here then. No, I was kind of like, yo, he's a master of his craft. I need to learn from him. I'm all about surround yourself with greatness if you want to be great. Meaning that you have to need to humble yourself in order to, again, be a sponge to learn. For me, I said, okay, if we're going to bring music productions, I was working at a radio station, even before the radio station, we're not, we do apologize if you hear the sirens in the background, yeah, but this is how we keep it. It's this, an this, urban, this, this, this is, is an urban, urban church. Right? <laughs> so, so for me, it was one of those things that as we're diving into this work, let me tell you, there was a lot of red tape. The board of the church, the thing, like th- these events, <laughs> he laughs because I remember I gave him so many checks to give like the offerings to yeah, all these man. bands and it wasn't like $200, right? Like no, it, was, it was a couple of yeah, G's, you know, thousand, and I remember I was like, bands. all right, I was like, this is for the bands. And I remember, all right, guys, how would you guys like to feel if you guys were in a green room? I was get, just getting f- feedback from these students. And I said, look, if you fail, that's okay. Just bring me one solution to that, to the issue. That was it. I, to be honest, I don't even know how I did that, but I think it was, I go back to the monkey see, monkey do. For the leaders that were in my life, for those pastors that were investing in me and that were willing to take a chance with me, I was willing then to say, if they took a chance with me, I got to kind of figure it out. Why can I not give someone else a chance? Will they fail? 100%. But they can fail forward, meaning mm. that we can learn in the moment. We can grow from it. I remember I had one of my students at the time, we did a... Uh, one of our first like summer jams and it was a challenge like we just clearly it was a challenge and she was like no this is what's wrong wrong this wrong that wrong and I'm like look 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 look. but what are some of the opportunities well what are some of the things we could learn from this and they looked at me 16 years old and was like 
I don't know. Okay, let's talk about it. And we talked about it. And we and I remember I said, we're going to start from inside the church and we're eventually going to get to a park. And we did. Yeah, yeah I remember. We got to the park. Until, park yeah. yeah, until this day, Iglesia Bautista Oreb, Oreb Baptist Church, has never held uh, an outreach event as big as the one that we did. Yeah. We, we had, it was an event that can hold 3,000 people. We had like close to, I'm around up, it was almost 1,500 people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That has never been done in the history right. of our church. Right. Why? Because we learned to enable, we learned to empower, um, and that's what retained so many of our young people because they saw, man, I can do this. What can I do? Yeah, it almost like, it almost gave them ownership. Yeah. And that's how we felt. We felt that we were tied to the success of this. Yeah. And um, and because we would see all of our friends having a good time and uh, enjoying themselves. Oh, you guys had a good time. I saw yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> we would. Uh, we couldn't wait for next year. Yeah. And so, like, I think you know, youth leaders, if you're taking notes, like, this is huge. Like, I'm gonna apply. Like, like, I'm in ministry now, and I'm gonna apply this concept. I'm actually going to be. Uh, take a calculated risk yeah. in handing responsibility over to people um, because it does give people, I think, a sense of ownership. And then when they succeed, it's, it's, it mean, you were really good at just like, you never robbed us of that feeling of like success. You never robbed us of like, well, you know, I was like there though. Like if you fell, I was going to catch you. Like you, 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 you're like, yeah, man, you did it. Yeah. Like, you you know, and so and so kind of like it really shaped our identity. It's just like maybe that's why it's no surprise that for a lot of those that participated like nowadays, it's like, man, it's a, a lot of guys that are fearless, a lot of girls that are fearless, like, you know, like, hey, let's just go ahead and do it. Like there's a can do attitude that was developed. And if, if there's a if there's a, an identity that could give that, you know, Oreb's youth group, you know, around the time that I was around, it'd be like, man, just just fearless, just like, hey, and I can do attitude. We'll figure it out. And so um, as we wrap this up, Noah, Noah, I just, you know, what would make it special, you know, for like now I'll talk to the leaders. Like I know you've served under uh, several leaders. Yeah. In the corporate world and in church. Talk to the leaders like how, like oftentimes, you know, I, I hear the pain in pastors where they're like, hey, there's a lot of turnover. People leave all the time. Youth pastors, they see youth ministry as a stepping stone to something else. Like it's hard to, to keep them. I mean, you kind of spoke a little bit on that. What would you What would you advise to those pastors that would want the nuance, you know, the people that stay twenty years, like loyal, faithful, and still productive? Because you could be, you could stay for twenty years and be unproductive. You know, in a hundred percent. So, yeah. um, what would you say to those leaders um, that are praying for people like you? I would say first and foremost, though, in my twenty years, there was a year of dry spell, like. Not to be funny about this, like, I can't tell couples, like, yo, have kids, man, because in 10 years, we need to have a, there was, there was, there was a lot of, I don't want to get emotional, but to, when you're at the top of the mountain, it's been said, it's a lonely place. Mm. I used to show up on Friday nights for our students. My family could tell you, there were kids growing up. We're the only ones that showed up on Friday nights. Nobody showed up for Months, Sundays, of course, Wednesday nights, but the Friday nights were specifically for students. And all I did was like turn it into a family night, pray, right? 
I would say for leaders that want to do this and that are asking and maybe even lead pastors, I think first and foremost, be intentional of building a relationship with your youth worker. You need to have a real relationship with them, not one where it's performative based, but one where you're actually invested. One of the things that I really appreciate Dr. Isaac Canales from Mission Ebenezer is that he truly lived life with Pastor Joe. Like Pastor Joe, for those that know in the South Bay, like back in, I mean, I know now he's been teaching and seminary and all that, but I remember him always telling me how he, when I used to go to classes and I used to go to conferences, he used to share how like his, his lead pastor would call him up, just be like, yo, Joe, how's it going, man? Hey, I just want to tell you, man, I just bought a new SUV. Like that's living life. I go back to what I said earlier. We need to live life with our leaders because I think that's the biggest thing. So for those leaders in the church, be intentional of having relations with your youth leaders and youth workers. And I think the other key thing to this is understand the importance that there's going to be high and low season. And I think is that for me, when there was a low season, I was grateful because my current pastor that's leading our church would say, hey, why don't you go back into school? And that's why I joined the 90 degrees cohort at the time, right? Like I joined UIW's program because there was a, a season of like, yo, and even though there may be other leaders that would say, you're just wasting time. You need to just get in there now. And I was like, mm, no, like pastor, if you're telling your youth worker, go out there. I appreciate you. Yeah. I appreciate Facts. that you're telling your youth workers, your youth leaders to, to go and get educated, to go and, and get a certification to go and, and like, like get out there and get educated. Because I always tell my students, and this is something that I hope a pastor can can get what I'm saying. Yes, parents will say, go get a college degree. As immigrants uh, that we come from black and brown communities, education is a key. That's the unlock. That's a, not all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A degree does not guarantee success. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It only guarantees that you have a discipline. Mm-hmm. The challenge would be then how do you apply your discipline in your everyday work that you do? That's where you'll see your success. That was where you see that. But the education, the certification, if you love, I always give the example. I love the game of Uno, my family. The best card, arguably, is that draw four, right? The wild draw four. That's your education in your back pocket. So as you're living life, you're working hard, you're investing in your people, you're seeing the growth. And if you hit a mark, pull out that card. Let it be in the negotiation of a salary. Let it be in the negotiation because all the investment that you can do now, you can always think about it like this is the harvest It's the harvest plant now for the harvest later. Amen. That is the That's biggest great. unlock of any pastor that can see a youth ministry thrive harvest. Yes. When the crops are ready, have the team ready to take it in and now reinvest and plant for the future. I've seen if I, if I do it in, in the amount of years of like high school generations of middle school to high school, this is my fifth generation that I have been investing in. Keeping it 100, <laughs> I'm not trying to go past 25 years as a youth pastor, unless God says, I don't. I, I'm looking at the next. I'm, I'm looking outside of my church. Who could be the next? There's a new season to come at my church. Mm. I know God's using me in some other areas. Like I think is, and even from a corporate context, you want longevity at the workplace. Here's a key thing. Consistency will build the character. That's what Alexander James told me that in, in full confidence that I can share this. He's like, no, like 
let me let me back up. I had a chance to go to a an event. Um, shout out to my friend Henry Russell, coworker, and his son plays football, and they're part of this uh, this uh, faith based ministry where it's actually sports minded. So think of like FCA, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. And what they do is that they take these forty two young men, fly them out. This just happened. They flew them out. They went to the University of Oregon. They went to Oregon State. They went to Stanford. They went to USC. They went to San Diego State, like all Cal. But they also went to Nike, Oakley, Adidas, CBRE. If you don't know what that is, one of the biggest real estates in the world. And they went to all these. So students, these young men that are football players, were learning about trying out for a school and understanding what, what it is. But they also learned this was a quote that it's not mine. It was from this from uh, for him ministries it was that the ball will eventually go flat so what do you do after sports you got to have a career you got to have a, a gift everyone has a gift my friend invites me we're talking about this i have one of the coaches tell me because this is a trifecta year for me i'm i'm 20 plus years already at the company that i've worked at for nike I'm 20 plus years, 20 beautiful, 26 beautiful years married to my wife, my, my life partner. And I'm completing 20 years as a part-time bivocational youth pastor of leading some students in the heart of Torrance, California. Like, that doesn't just happen. And Alexander and I, we were talking about this. And one of the things that he shared, which I love you, bro. He's like, bro, your character is what's allowed you to be the, here this long. Yeah, I agree. Leaders, be consistent in your work. It doesn't have to be 20 years. It could be five years. Five amazing years that leads you to the next. So I don't know. That That's kind of like what I would kind of tell them. And I don't know if that really was a great answer, but no, it, it's, it's, it's one of those that I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain it sometimes. Keeping it one. I think, I think, I think that the, listening to your words, and for those that are watching, seeing how you deliver these words, I think we can, we, we can sense that spirit. And, and I don't mean to be a cheesy or anything, but uh, I hope this fuels your passion. You know, this fuels your passion because um, you're going to need a lot of passion. You're going to need to be very passionate about the work you do if you want you want to you want to be in it for the long haul. And so. Um, I'm gonna let you end this, Noan. Um, but um, I just want to say before we like uh, close this, man, I honor you. There's a generation of of uh, people a little bit older than me, a little bit younger than me. That you know, when we talk, your name will come up as uh, as as someone that contributed, that taught us something, or that at least it created a space and an atmosphere for us to learn, for us to have fun, for us to get to know each other. A lot of my long, a lot of my friendships wouldn't be friends had you not fostered an environment because I mean all those guys that you mentioned I didn't grow up with them Mm. so you fostered an an environment that I you know one of these guys became the best man at my wedding I was the best man at his wedding you know I'm the godfather to his kid and so it's like um, I just want to say thank you so much I honor the 20 years of ministry and service that you have I want to say I love you man and I love the, 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 the model 
you've set for us. And I hope that we're making you proud that that's something that I do consider, man, that every oh, time yeah. you shoot a text or you shoot a DM and like, Hey man, good job. Like I, I feel like I did when I was 20 years old, we were doing Jen, <laughs> you know, we, we were doing a summer jam. Nah, and so I want to say thank you so much. So, um, uh, for those of you watching, like, you, like no one knows, like I watch. And so like, I'm normally listening to it on YouTube as I'm driving. And so please leave a comment. If you've been a, a, a beneficiary of, um, of his ministry and his leadership, let him know. Like it actually adds fuel to the fire. And so please let him know. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. I know that sometimes as YouTubers you forget to yeah, let I people totally know. Forgot, and yeah. so yeah. So please like and subscribe to this so that you don't miss any other episodes. Man, close us out. Man, just appreciate you, bro. Uh honestly, I think um here, here's what I want to say. There's gonna be people in this world that may only be in your life for a couple weeks, a couple days, one hour, or maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years. If they are all in on you, it's not because they want something from you. They authentically just want to see you win at the end of the day. They just want to see that what God instilled in your heart, that you could just fulfill your calling, Mm. not our calling, your calling. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. These 20 years, all I've asked was, God, let me just help people understand and point them to your love. God, just help me to point them to the purpose that you have for them. That's it. And I'm grateful because men like you and many of the women, right, that used to be students, they're in really good positions right now. They're maybe in a season of transition or maybe they're in a season of success, greatness, Dude, amazing. Praise God for that. I'm grateful that my friend Troy uh, told my son, you know, your dad challenged me to read the whole Bible. And I'm grateful because I've read it six times. He's like, you're, you're like, he's like, your dad is the one who got me to be where I'm at. And I, I'm grateful because that was the guy who was willing to volunteer with the cameras and do all the video editing for all the videos that we did. We were ahead of our time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay to be ahead of your time. It's okay to be the only one in the room that maybe is thinking super crazy. That's okay. All I ask is make sure you have empathy for others, have grace and love for them, and always be willing to say, hey, that's on me. I know I've made a lot of mistakes. I know I made a lot of people upset. I made some people cry. That was on me. And I've asked for the forgiveness in the moment. And if you didn't get it, I apologize. Like just being out there, you know what I'm saying? But I always understood that I needed to learn that. And I'm grateful for now my adult friends, not not students, my adult friends. I'm grateful that they're willing to call me out and, and make sure that I'm being a good leader to the new students of this generation. Mm. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited that they immerse themselves in cultura that they're willing to grow in their faith. And the most important thing, like I always tell people, my third pillar is constantly make those conexiones. That's the only way we can do that. We know it, right? Yeah. Larry says it. We suffer in isolation, but what? We heal in community. We heal in community. And that's the biggest thing why my last pillar of this podcast is connections, conexiones, because we need each other. Pastors, leaders, professionals, parents, right? Anyone, elder, young and old, we all need each other. And the only way we do that is by fueling each other's passions. So uh, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. 
And um, this is really how I wanted to celebrate, to be honest. So, like, I wanted you to be the guy. I got you, bro. So, appreciate you. All right. Como dice mi abuelita, que Dios te bendiga.